Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. As promised, this is year five, and this is our five-year plan for you to become a real estate millionaire. But really, we sort of rethemed it, I think, into about you know year three mm-hmm. <laughs> or day three of this week, where we started uh, to, uh, gearing conversations towards not necessarily having to be a millionaire, but having enough money coming in passively so that your money is working for you and you no longer had to work for your money. And just if you hadn't listened to the first four days, go back and listen. But the gist of it is, is if you have five or 5,000 or 7,500 or 10,000, whatever your number is, uh, coming in per month passively. In other words, the money comes in, whether you are actually working or not, that's what passive is. <laughs> then uh, you are effectively rich because at that point, your money or your investments that's producing the net uh, you know, recurring profit of the 5,000 or the 7,500 or the 10,000 per month, you have essentially accomplished the goal of being by our definition of rich. Rich is where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. And if you never get to you know, a million or 2 million or 20 million or 200 million or 2 billion, who cares is if you got enough money coming in passively every month, then you are living like if you had $5,000 coming in every month, Julie, basically mm-hmm. you're be you, it, how much money would you actually have to have invested? So if you had, for example, $5 million, like sometimes when I am, um, when you and I are doing events, we ask people like, you know, what is your goal? How much money? Those types of conversations happen, not as much as they used to, but they do frequently. And people will say 10 million, 10 million is always the sort of the number. All right. So if I gave you $10 million right now and you invested $10 million, how much money could that $10 million throw off uh, per month if you invested it wisely? And the answer is going to be, if you invested it, say like 4%, I mean, you're not doing anything too risky. You're doing T-bills or something like that. Mm -hmm. Well, then your 10 million is making you uh, $400,000 a year or roughly $30,000 a month. Now, what What's the probability of uh, you being able to work, to save, to earn, to actually produce enough, you know, $10 million so that you can live like that? We'll scale it back, right? So if it's 15000 that you want to earn per month, then you're going to need, you know, let's call it, you know, somewhere around, what, 5 or $6 million per year, somewhere in there. And then you guys can figure out the point I'm trying to make, hopefully, is that the probability of most people, especially in trying times like this, of being able to accumulate enough money so that that money then produces enough passive income is very low. So the move is going to be not focusing on having a big net worth necessarily. That happens over time as long as you keep investing. The move should be focusing on your passive income. Hopefully I've explained that. Thank you for explaining that because there is some math behind everything that you said. And so many things in real estate seem unpredictable and unduplicatable. Yet when you are investing consistently as a result of your consistent income. So the point before your point, and I think over the past year one, two, three, and four, and we're going to remind them again in year five, don't stop producing. Yes, your income comes transactionally, but your passive income comes from the investment, which you can't do unless you've done the first thing. That's that right. Sense. So the, the product of your real estate business is profit. Right. By the way, the product of every business truly is profit, unless it's a nonprofit or, it business. It should be. It should be, right. And if you're not making loads and loads of profit, your, your business is obviously it's not going to stay in business for long. So with that profit, then you reinvest it in other things that make you passive income. That's how you actually build wealth strategically. But when 
I'm trying to help you all understand is what most of you are truly after is the passive income that comes from owning rental properties or it could come from EXP Realty Revenue Share or things like that. So you by focusing on the passive income, you will, uh, I think, on accident, increase your net worth. But mm -hmm. if you want something that's really palatable that you can emotionally wrap your arms around, think about how it would feel if you had enough money coming in passively every single month to easily cover all of your bills. Well, then let's figure out that plan and let's move forward on that plan. That's really, I think, if you think from like, what do you want to really be proud of having accomplished from your real estate career? I think all of you will agree that it's going to be essentially independent wealth where your money's working for you. You no longer have to work for your money. And you can get there in your lifetime. And you don't have to wait until you're, you know, 60-something or 70-something or whatever the new retirement age is. I don't even know. Uh, and you don't have to wait for your Social Security check. You can actually do that in a relatively short period of time. Michael Zawalski, who was part of our mm -hmm. EXP Realty Group and mm -hmm. a coaching client, yep. his goal was it was like 7500 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. And that's all. We would have our coaching calls. This was I coached him. It's probably been 10 years ago now. So every single week, I'd have a coaching call with him. Uh, he, we had obviously drilled down on all of his real estate transactions, but then the thing that we also focused on was, okay, what have you, how close are you to $7,500 a month in passive income? Mm -hmm. And he ended up, it took maybe three years and maybe didn't even take maybe four, but somewhere in there it wasn't that long. Well, he uh, had purchased enough, mostly uh, small multifamilies, two and four families mm -hmm. that he was able to do exactly what I'm describing. And now he's got over a hundred thousand dollars a month coming in passively from his rental properties. And he was living in New Jersey, if I remember correctly. And I don't know if I told you this, but mm -hmm. he moved to the Caribbean. <laughs> That's him, awesome. and, him and his family moved to the Caribbean. Mission accomplished. Yeah, mission accomplished. And he's living off the passive income from his rental properties mm -hmm. that are up in New Jersey or New York. I don't remember. Well, well done at, from you as his coach, getting him there in probably, definitely a shorter amount of time than he probably thought. And go, Michael, for doing the work that it took consistently to get him and his family there. And I don't know, how old would you say he has guesstimate? Uh, now he's probably in his mid forties. Yeah. So you, you guys don't have to wait forever. That was, and by the know. way, he is not, uh, he was first generation. He is first generation American. He's uh, from Poland. Mm -hmm. Well, so that's interesting that in a fairly short amount of time, he was able to do that. And then of course, you know, the investment doesn't stop. I'm sure he's continuing to do that and seeing that passive income. Yeah. Well, so, but even if done. he chose not to, the rental he's properties, okay. the rental properties are still appreciating. That's right. Uh, and he's still getting the cash flow from him. So he's, he moved to an area of the world where it was always, you know, he, I used to call him my Polish James Bond because mm -hmm. he likes to do all these crazy, you know, things. Adventures. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, so he moved to a place where the cost of living was a lot less and now he can easily live off of his passive income from his rental properties. There you go. Uh, plan accomplished. Yeah, exactly. All right, okay. So speaking of the plan, on to yes. year five. And some of this should sound familiar because it is consistent throughout the plan. Point number one, you now have real skill. What will you do with it? Will you embrace the fact that you have a predictable, duplicatable income stream? Or will you fall backward looking for the easy button? Resist that. This props up at different times in agents' careers throughout their success where, you know, I mean, we all have hard weeks in real estate and sometimes you're tempted to just look around, how can I make it easier? How can I just, you know, make the lead generation more passive? It's you who have to do the work. So don't fall back and don't look for the easy button because it doesn't work. Everybody wants recognition. And the problem is, is sometimes you get addicted to it and it, you know, essentially manifests as ego and narcissism. So what happens, it could, and Julie just said, it happens all the time in any of the years, but especially when you become notably successful, the world's going to want to really exploit for its own purposes, your success, especially in real estate. And you're then going to feel a need. Some of you are, who are, have not been, I think, uh, forward prepared for this 
are going to feel a need to essentially be recognized. You're all of a sudden going to want to have everyone think that you're a, this amazing superstar and whatever. And you're going to want to write books and do all these other things because now you followed our coaching plan for five years. You're a millionaire. You've done what so many other people can't do. But here's what the problem is, is you're not at this point uh, so financially secure that you can't lose it all. And that, again, is what a lot of people do. So there's a lot of agents, a lot of teams, a lot of brokers that rode up this last wave that, you know, from 2009 till really, I think, 2021. I mean, it was mm -hmm. a damn long wave. For sure. And a lot of them have never sold in a transitioning, let alone a, you know, market like what we're experiencing now with these multiple headwinds. Mm -hmm. And so their yeah. life experience and their work experience leading up to this doesn't translate. No. And I think that especially for people who have never lived through, certainly sold real estate through a major transition, the tendency is to wait too long because, the, you know, the, there's this feeling out there that it's just going to switch back. You know, if we just get to the next year, it's all going to, you know, rates go down enough and prices change. That's There's going to be some catalyst that everything becomes easy again. And yet this time is not like all of those times. It's not just going to flip the switch. If you wait too long, you can use, lose not months or quarters, but years. And we often have people come to coaching that have, you know, finally they, they realize that maybe they've waited a bit too long. They need to get back in the saddle. And I... I think you'll agree we've had a lot of uh, veterans come to us, especially to elite coaching. You mean real estate veterans. Real estate veterans yeah. um, and actual veterans, yeah. you are both, um, where we have to remind them, you didn't lose all of that skill, right? Just because you waited and you're feeling like you've, you've you know hit a wall, you didn't lose all of that. We just have to rekindle it. And that leads me to one of the first things we do, and that's point number two in year number five, complete your new real estate treasure map, but this time with a twist. Be sure to spend lots of time on your goal setting. You should always do that, but this is a little bit different now that you have skill. You can think really big now, but keep the goal what we call SMART, S-M-A-R-T, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. Start to think bigger than you did before in your previous years. What do you want to do? What do you want to see, have, try out? Bigger, better travel, for example. I'm thinking about our Kenmore team that we've been coaching forever. They just got back from Mallorca, Spain. Wow. And I think it was it was like two and a half or three weeks. And they just raved about it. So that's thinking bigger. I remember when they started coaching with us where the vacation plan was a long weekend, right? And now they're going to Mallorca. So go them. All right, number three. You now, as Tim just said, have passive income. Reinvest it strategically. Actually study the best investments that you can make and truly begin to build real net worth. You should have slipped in there. Let me see if you did. Don't allow lifestyle creep to basically eat ah. your profit. And that's going to be a bonus point right there. So don't allow lifestyle cre uh, creep and increase like, okay, now I'm going to buy a big house. Now I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to do the other thing. In other words, all the money that you had had as profit that was going to do these in this mm -hmm. investing and building yourself uh, financial security for the rest of your life and maybe the generations ahead of you, you are uh, now pissing it away on things that maybe you could have held off on. There is absolutely nothing wrong with stuff and wanting stuff and using stuff to motivate you. And there's nothing wrong with wanting really, really nice stuff because here's the thing. We are spiritual beings in a physical incarnation, in a physical manifestation. In other words, we need stuff. You need to have a house. You need to have shoes, clothes, you know, travel to Mallorca, Spain. You need mm -hmm. to do those types of things. Well, maybe not travel to Mallorca, Spain, but you get the no, idea. Okay. You need mm -hmm. to be in first class. You sure as hell don't want to be Definitely. in steerage. 
especially for a trip that long. Well, so the, yeah. po- the point is, is that as long as, you know, that is what you are and that is what you are, you might as well have the nicest stuff that you can get. It's that simple. And if, and to, you know, this point with regards to, uh, you know, your real estate treasure map and passive income and all of it, it keep, that's going to be your North Star. So one of the little games that Julie and I used to play, and, and I tell you right now, to a large extent, we still do this, mm-hmm. is we'll financially obligate us to things that are going to be investments that are a substantial expense that sometime in the future that we have to either save to pay for and pay for along the way. And that's one of the ways that we've kept ourselves motivated way beyond our need to, you know, essentially have these, um, you know, ongoing thoughts ourselves. But because we don't want to, it's easy once you've got the momentum to build momentum. People say it's easier to make money when you have money. It's absolutely true because your money is making your money for you. If you have a million dollars in paid off rental properties after a while and the real estate values go up by, you know, 10% in your marketplace, you just made a hundred grand on paper, right? So it's easier to make more money the more money you have. The beginning stages is where it's really back to year one when you're saving that 10% off every check. When you're doing these sort of small, tiny, incremental things that you don't see an immediate benefit of, it's easy to get off track and think, screw it, I'm just going to go to Vegas. That's really true. And, you know, the hardest first 100000 that you save, the hardest million that you make, it, I'm sorry, the, the first 100000 the first million that you save, I would totally agree that is the hardest and then when you have those assets, it does become more passive, but well, you've got to get there. It goes to like, I mean, if you want to think like this, and it's an interesting way to think. The first thing is to learn how to make a million. Mm-hmm. The fir- next thing is to save a million. And the third thing is to have a million come into you passively. Those are the sort of three little, I think, you know, if you want to think like that. If you incrementally, wanna, sure. Incrementally. But really what I'm saying is for the most part, most people would be thrilled beyond thrilled if they had enough money coming in passively from passive income that they're not actually having to, in our case, you know, slap houses for it. Exactly, exactly. All right. My number four, consider adding additional spokes or sources of new real estate leads. If you've not yet embraced working with builders, for example, this is a great way to build even more momentum and ensure your steady lead flow. I really like new construction and builders as a supplement for agents who have already figured out how to maintain their magic number and they want to always have, you know, two or three houses with a builder being built, which will become listings that insulates your listing inventory. And we've done entire podcasts about new construction. So I'll leave it at that. Point number five, don't put your database on ice. Year five is when agents start to either see a significant increase in repeat and referral business or... They start spending too much money trying to make things easier, all the while ignoring their past clients and centers of influence. That is such a stinking important point. (laughs) Yes. And what was it, Julie, that NAR report that just came out that Mm -hmm. said was like almost was 67% or 70% of all agents' business after year five uh, comes from centers of influence and past clients. And the average agent after year five that um, they were doing, uh, what, three or four X the number of transactions they had been doing in year one or something? That's right. But remember, this is only when you are talking to them, when you have systematized that. Let me finish the rest of this point. Mm -hmm. Remember that repeat and referral business generally costs you zero dollars and they already know, love, and trust you. Nurture your database, systematize your communications, and you'll see a huge increase in what we love to call easy business, if we're being honest. But ignore it and you could go broke speculating on other things. It's not enough to just have a database, an organized database, know how to use your database. You have to actually do the things. Now, it's important. Julie said a bunch of stuff there. Hopefully, you guys drilled down. You have to call your centers of influence and past clients. Yes. Don't just mail them things and tchotchke, uh, you know, drop off little, you know, pieces of garbage at their house, like little forget-me-not seeds and things like that. If you want to do that, 
Do that, but make the call. Make the call and you don't have to do the other things. That's the thing that matters most because everybody else is going to be doing the passive stuff. That goes for direct mail. That goes for digital. All of the passive stuff is designed to support the proactive stuff. The proactive stuff is going to be actually having conversations with decision-making adults. You'll get so much more business and so much faster when you actually use our scripts, when you're calling people, and you're going to miraculously find yourself you know, experience what Julie and I are describing. And I also want to put out, a, I think, a word of caution. Mm-hmm. Those of you who are in the centers of influence and past client world, that's your only spoke, that's your number one, if not only spoke source of business, you're the ones that get hurt the most in a market like this because your business has come to you so easily, let's be honest, and you haven't, especially in this past market, had to compete for anything. You haven't had to compete for your listings, nothing. They just listed with you. Now, all that's changing. So what's going to happen is you will still get the call out for the listing appointment, but you're going to be competing. And so you're going to be the centers of influence and past client agent who always has just gotten the business because you've been you and you know you figured, well, when they want to hire a realtor, they'll just call me and it's worked out for you. It's been, you've been doing great. Now all of a sudden you start going on listing appointments, you start losing. The reason you're losing is because the sellers are fearful that the house won't sell and the uh, sellers are then going in. This is what you know a lot of you guys are going to start experiencing now in your marketplaces. The sellers are going to be very selective who they interview. And even if, again, you're there, uh, you play golf with them every Sunday, uh, if they interview somebody who they have no personal contact with, but the person convinces them, shows them that what they're, they're going to do is going to get the home sold uh, in a, for the highest price, the shortest mer- uh, period of time with the least mm-hmm. amount of hassle. In other words, this other agent outsells you, you're going to lose. Yes. And I would add to that, there's a step that happens even before this transition that you just enlightened them about. And that is when somebody does list with you and you're their center of influence and it was a slam dunk, didn't have to compete, all was great, you know, barely had to do a presentation, which by the way, we don't recommend. You should have done one anyway. Right. Always Um, follow the same process no matter who the seller is, no matter who it is. Could be your mama. Always follow, pre-qualify, send the pre-listing pack, always follow the exact same process. Yes. So what happens is if you, their favorite center of influence listing agent, don't sell that house, or don't sell it right away, and it expires on you, a version of what you just said, they won't relist with you. They are then going to interview four or five other agents. They're going to be super picky, and you're going to lose that listing. So there's different stages of that transition, but you do have to be careful. I had a call with someone this past uh, few days, and they were in a market. They did listen to our podcast. They were juiced up the fact that we were saying this is one of the best times to like move up market and start mm-hmm. selling really expensive stuff. So this agent started following our advice, started calling the expireds in their market. Not, I wouldn't say call, just calling in the sense of wanting to, uh, you know, validate what we were saying was correct. Sure. And what they found continuously was in this particular market for a long period of time, there had been three dominant agents, two men and a woman, a woman. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and what a lot of these sellers had done is they had listed with one of the, you know, the perceived most dominant agent. That agent didn't sell the house. It expired. Then they listed with the next one. And so what you're seeing in a lot of these markets is that, you know, the top go-to agent or the top two or three go-to agents, they're not being successful selling the listings, which creates an opportunity for someone to wedge their way into the market where previously the door had been closed yep. and start getting business. Jules and I did that when we sold real estate with the New Albany Country Club area. I'd say at this point, probably tens of thousands of our coaching clients have done the same thing. Markets that are in flux like this one, where people are feeling a little bit nervous, I would say, that that's the best time to be going in and seizing uh, you know, the market share that you otherwise probably wouldn't have a shot at getting. That's true. That's 100% true. All right. Our final point today, invest in coaching. Point number six, now is a great time to polish your practice 
move to the next level and be increasingly accountable to your personal goals. Remember the goals you did in your treasure map. Coaching is about motivating you, educating you, and getting you into action. And at this level, it can be about keeping you into action, honing in on those goals, helping you to think bigger, and making sure that you don't have any hiccups. And a hiccup can be a month, a quarter, a year. It could be a couple of years. Coaching, we try not to have that happen to you so we can keep you motivated, educated, and get you into action. Now, can you fast forward? Do you have to wait five years? You don't. I no. gave you an example of Michael Zawaski, okay? Sure. But unfortunately, what happens a lot of times when an agent comes to us, if they're not, even if they are new agents, but most of the new agents join our premier coaching program, I would say the you know more experienced and the upper echelon agents will join us at the elite level. Mm-hmm. When they join our elite coaching, one of the challenges we're always going to have, especially if they've only been in the business since like, say, for example, you know, post real estate date crash is they don't know what they don't know and putting them in a position or their willingness to be put in a position where they're uh, exposing their own ignorances, that is sometimes a, it, it's, it could be very, for them, it could be very, um, you know, it's difficult because they have to admit that they weren't maybe as good as they thought they were. They have to be willing to put themselves back in that position of uh, conscious incompetence. And when they put that, and that's a very uncomfortable feeling and very, very few people when they're really, really successful are willing to do it. But the ones that are, and the ones that are willing to do that on a routine basis, are the ones be, that, you know, become the most successful in life, not just in your local community for selling houses. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, a lot of those skills are transferable. Some of your uh, skills at this at this point have to be rekindled. You know, it's funny when we talk to especially elite agents where we ask, where did your business come from? Sometimes they'll say, well, it used to come from blah, 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 but somehow I got away from that, right? And so we drill down and find out, is it still working? Is it still viable? Let's get back to some of that. Let's add some spokes. Let's add some benchmarks and some accountability and get you to that next level. So your homework from today's podcast is, of course, join Premier Coaching. The link to join is down below in the show description. Our notes from today, our notes from every day are always in the show description. Yes, please use our notes for training your teams and your brokerages and the rest of it. That's great. Uh, Continue to share the podcast. This has been a record year uh, for podcast downloads. It's really, uh, I mean, incredible the growth that we're experiencing. I'm not at all surprised because a lot of people are waking up to the fact that new market require new skills and, you know, they've done the branding and the marketing and all the, you know, all the rest of it. And now they're saying, well, what's this Tim and Julie all about? So there are a lot of you guys are discovering us for the first time. And I know many of you are sharing the podcast with other real estate agents. And I certainly appreciate that as well. Uh, please remember to give us a five-star review on iTunes and leave a comment about what you partic- what you liked about this podcast. Guys, I, I mentioned this the other day and it's important that you remember the greatest fortunes have always been made during the greatest times of change. In the real estate industry, we are in one of those times now. So do not uh, dig a hole or look for a cave and wait for the clouds to clear. Because if you do, you're going to lose a decade or two decades. And then probably, you know, you're going to be out of luck. So do yourself a favor and do not allow the negativity that's surrounding the industry in many places, not everywhere, but in many places, don't allow it to adversely affect your potential. Because again, when you are willing to do what you're, uh, what others aren't willing to do, when others aren't willing to do it, you're going to experience things that they never will. You intuitively know that's true. So what should you be doing now? What are the action steps you should be taking now? Go back and review the past podcasts. And we've got, by the way, thousands of past podcasts, over 2,000 now on iTunes. We've done actually over 5,000 podcasts. But the ones that are on iTunes, you know, go back and listen to those. And of course, if you're listening to us on YouTube, that works as well. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.